We are in Ephesians chapter 6, and we've reached the point where we're going to be talking about the armour of God, uh, which I know many of you are excited about. I'm excited to preach about it. Uh, I just want to first show you this picture. I've not got a clicker, so if you could flick to the next slide for me, please. says Christ First Watford. <laughs> uh, what it was meant to be was a picture of my nephew, Caleb. Uh, but there we go. Uh, this, is my, this is my nephew, Caleb. This is, uh, he's just recently started nursery. Um, uh, this is him on the left. And he's, uh, he dressed himself, which is very impressive. He's quite a little boy, but he's, he's keen and uh, he's confident. And he said, I'm going to dress myself today. It wasn't until they got back from nursery later that day that we realised that he'd been wearing his trousers on inside out the entire day, uh, and my sister was um, mildly embarrassed by that. But that is that's uh, kind of nothing compared to when I was uh, at school. Uh, I went into school uh, as a young boy, probably just a little bit older than Caleb, and had also recently sort of started dressing myself and went into our classroom with other kids, and it came time for uh, our PE. I think we were doing gymnastics. I brought along my PE kit, had my white shirt, I had my, my trousers, my plimsolls. I was ready to go. I was confident. I was glad that I'd remember those. Uh, in, that, in those days, I don't know if they still do this, but all of their children got changed just in the classroom together, the girls and boys together. Um, and it got to the point of getting ready for our class, and... I suddenly realized I hadn't put on any underwear that morning. (laughs) Shock, horror. I got to the point where everybody else was, was, you know, changing out their their trousers, putting on their shorts, and I just had to wait and sort of spend a very long time changing my (laughs) T-shirt, changing my shirt to my T-shirt. And it got to the point where I I, I just had to do something, and I had to just go to my teacher and say, I'm really sorry, I forgot to wear any underwear. (laughs) She was like, oh, don't don't worry about it, it's fine. (laughs) You can get changed in the room next next to us. Uh, And so, uh, again, a very embarrassing moment that's stuck in my head. Uh, (laughs) But... The point is this, it is important to dress properly. You've probably heard of the armour of God, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to wear it right. You maybe know that you should be wearing it, but you totally forgot to put it on this morning, and you're left in a point where you realise that you didn't put it on and you should have done. The consequence of not putting on clothes properly is probably uh, a little mild embarrassment. The consequence of not putting on your armour properly is much more severe. Turn with me, if you've got your Bibles, to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 and 14. It says this, Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Therefore, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, before Easter, Andy and Aaron introduced these, the, the, kind of the armour of God that we're going to be looking at the next few weeks, um, and they're preparing us for battle. We heard that Satan and his forces of evil are our real enemies, uh, not other people. We heard the dangers of making too much 
or too little of Satan. Uh, some, some people make too much of him and, and attribute everything to Satan. Some people are almost ignorant or uh, naive about Satan's work and attribute nothing to him. We heard that King Jesus has won the battle and that our job is simply to stand firm. Are you ready to stand? Are you? To do so, you're going to need the whole armour of God. Uh, And this is God's armour. It doesn't say arm yourself with a positive mental attitude. It doesn't say arm yourself with hard works and good deeds. It doesn't say arm yourself with a sunny disposition and just a joy in life and always be nice to people. No, it says take up the whole armour of God. This is a spiritual armour that is a gift of God. We can't manufacture it ourselves. We can't replace it with something physical. We are to put on the armour that he has given us. In Isaiah 59, chapter 17, it talks about God and says this, He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. Sound familiar? That's from Isaiah, hundreds of years before uh, Ephesians was written. That is talking about Jesus. Uh, That's talking about God, sorry. So we're literally putting on the armour of God, God's armour that he wears in Isaiah. We're going to be looking at each part of the armour in some detail. There are six pieces of armour. And we're only going to be looking at the first two today, the two that we've just read. The belt of truth, which I'll be spending a little longer on, uh, and the breastplate of righteousness. But we certainly won't be stopping there. Next week we'll be looking at two more, and then the week after that we will be looking at the last two. Um, As Christians, we're instructed by our commander, King Jesus, to put on the whole armour of God. Just like in an earthly army, soldiers can't pick and choose which bits of the the armour that they want to wear. And so it is with us. So it's really important to know what each part does. As we preach over the next few weeks, I don't want you to be passive. You need to be conscious that the battle is real, that this armour is real, and that you're making a conscious decision to take up that armour of God. Are you ready for Satan's attacks? Are you ready to stand firm? Let me ask that again. Are you ready for Satan's attacks? Are you ready to stand firm? Just as a quick personal example, Kat and I, when we were first married, and, and probably for quite a number of months into our marriage, we, uh, we had a number of arguments or disagreements uh, at the start of our marriage. And after a little while, we suddenly realized that we would have a tendency to fall out or to uh, disagree over something or just to be unpleasant towards each other on a Sunday morning before church and on a Wednesday before house group. And, it, and we should have realized it sooner, but we didn't. And after a while, we suddenly realized that this was a spiritual attack, that Satan was rubbing his hands together at the fact that he was uh, causing us to fall out at those moments when we're coming to church to worship or we're meeting with uh, the people of God. And, and we didn't have our armor on. I'll be totally honest, we, we weren't ready in those situations. We weren't equipped with the armor of God. And we allowed Satan to penetrate through because we didn't have our defenses up. Since then, we've acknowledged that. We've recognized that. We've seen this is, this is a way that Satan's going to try and attack us. And we need to be prepared. We need to be equipped 
uh, with God's armour. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Let's not be ignorant, X1. Let's not be naive. Satan would love to pick off each and every one of us. Be ready. Before we begin, let me just uh, start by saying that if you're not a Christian this morning, then this armour isn't for you. Uh, if you're still on a journey of faith, you're so welcome to be here with us this morning. Much of our preaching uh, X1 on Sunday mornings uh, is so that you would know the truth of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. But the next three Sundays, we're going to be talking to God's people about how to prepare for spiritual battle against Satan that you're not currently involved in. Uh, if you'd like to know more, then do grab me after service and I can talk to you more about that and what that means. Uh, but these next few weeks are going to be speaking to God's people. Christians, this armour is for you. Are you ready to stand firm? Are you ready to stand firm? Okay. On your feet. If you click to the next slide, please. This is uh, a Roman belt, okay? I want everybody to imagine and to act out with your hands. I want to see people moving that you're putting on this belt right now, okay? Okay, you can sit down. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if Paul had the kind of thinner belt on the left or the thicker belt uh, on the right in mind. There seems to be some slight variations in style, uh, but either way, this belt was an important part of a Roman's armour. Unlike uh, a belt on your jeans, as I'm wearing one today, uh, which is often just an accessory or for the sake of style, maybe to keep your trousers up, uh, the Roman belt was important for keeping soldiers' garments out of the way. Uh, Andy talked about it a little bit uh, a few weeks back. Uh, just they had tunics that, that would have been flowing down, and the belt was important to keep everything together, to keep everything uh, compact. Uh, During battle, if your tunic is flapping around and you're tripping up, then you're not going to have much success uh, in battle. It it may also have been what the soldier attached his sword to. Uh, Some of them seem to depict the the sword attached and others not. Uh, But the belt was used for action. When a soldier sat down and relaxed, he would often untie his belt. Uh, Having it on was a way of saying, I'm ready for battle. It immediately gave him confidence and a sense of security. Uh, the one on the, the right particularly is a hefty thing. Putting on gave him a sense of, I'm ready for battle. I'm confident. Uh, and in fact, ancient writers would often refer to a soldier's belt as his source of strength. In the same way, our spiritual armor is our source of strength. In John 17, Jesus prays these words for his followers which includes us, he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. The word, your word is truth. So our strength comes from believing that God's word is true. As I said before, Jesus has already defeated Satan once and for all time. But Satan will do everything in his power to distract us from that truth and to make us doubt it. And so we need to put on the belt of truth. 
Is Paul talking about living a life of integrity, of honesty, of sincerity here? No, I don't believe that he is. In John, Jesus describes himself as the way, the truth, and the life. In the passage we've just read, Jesus describes God's word as the truth. So the very first part of the armour that we put on, first and foremost, is the truth about who Jesus is and about what God has said. Uh, Out of interest, does anybody know what the English Oxford Dictionary word of the year was for 2016, for last year? So, uh, so 2013 was selfie, uh, 2014 was vape, 2015 was emoji. Uh, does anybody know what 2016 was? It's post-truth, yeah. Uh, I think Brexit was a shortlist one, but... <laughs> post-truth. If you click onto the next slide, I'll give you a definition of post-truth. Post-truth is this, relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. So last year, with uh, the Brexit debate and the American election in particular, uh, this phrase, post-truth, started getting used quite a lot, which basically described the fact that what, pe- what, what seemed to be happening in kind of both of those political situations was the fact that Facts were, on the whole, being downplayed and that appeals to emotions were being made instead. Uh, basically speaking, the, the truth is less important than what I can get you to feel about a particular situation. Uh, you may have seen that already in the last week or so uh, with the, the kind of upcoming election already having been announced and the political spin that's already in play. Uh, for example, Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, you, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not pro or against, but what's being tried to convey is that he, he won't be a very good prime minister. He won't be a very good leader. And whether that's true or not, whether that's based on fact or not, if I can get you to believe that that's true, if I can get you to believe that he won't be a very good leader, then, uh, then that's all that matters because you probably won't vote for him. And so there's a lot of this kind of rhetoric uh, that, that's trying to make you feel rather than trying to make you think and look at facts and about truth. Whilst it may be a new word, Satan has been using post-truth tactics since man has been alive. In the Garden of Eve, he tried to play down, downplay the, the truth. Did, did God really say? And instead appeals to emotions Eat the fruit and you will be like God. Satan is the father of lies and we need to be aware of it. All those lies can take root. Truth matters. Frankly, my feelings are totally unreliable. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can rely on them, other times not at all. But the truth of God is eternal. Satan will try and get you to doubt truth and to believe outright lies. And so we need to arm ourselves with the truth. Truths that we know and can stand on, irrespective of feelings. Uh, if you turn again to the next slide. John eight thirty one thirty two says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is a matter of freedom. 
Satan intends to keep you bound up in his lies, to make you ineffective, to make you useless as a Christian. But Jesus commands us to know the truth, and the truth will set us free. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against, according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Christians, we need to be ready and vigilant to shoot down Satan's lies with truth. In your own thoughts uh, and in other people's words, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. We need to take every thought captive and say, is this true? Is this God's truth? What does that look like? When Jesus was in the desert, uh, he was tempted by Satan. And Satan said this, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. He said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you. And he said, all these kingdoms of the world, I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Each time Satan tries to downplay the truth, if, you re- if you're really the son of God, he twists scripture. He will command his angels concerning you. And he tries to appeal to Jesus' emotions rather than the, the truth. Ha- have some food. You're hungry, Jesus. Have some food. Have all of these kingdoms. Look at what you can have. Each time Jesus comes back at him with truth, truth from God's word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him. Boom! (laughs) That is how you use the belt of truth. That is how you stand in battle. Satan is responsible for lying, but you are responsible for whether or not those lies take root in your life. We need to be aware of Satan's tactics. We need to take them seriously because lies destroy lives. Lies destroy lives. Um, I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently uh, one time Aaron, who's interested, I just peek. <laughs> be honest. Think about it. Think about why. I just started a sentence with, I don't know if this is true or not. And yet, probably a number of you, many of you, if you're honest with yourself, you want to know what I had to say next. You wanted to know what I was about to say about Aaron. What is it? We need to be better prepared than that, brothers and sisters. Lies destroy lives, and Satan can't wait to trap us in his web of lies. Whether he can get us to uh, believe lies about ourselves or about God or about other people, whether it's our own thoughts or uh, the words of others, if he can get us to believe his lies, then he's got through our defenses and he will do damage. 
Here are some examples. If you go to the next slide, here are some examples of other lies that Satan may have got you to believe. So some lies about ourselves. You are not enough. You are too broken, too sinful to come to Christ. You can't relate to your non-Christian friends if you act too Christian-y. You have no value, no worth, no purpose. He might have got you to believe some lies about himself or about the church. The church is ineffective, it's, it's exclusive, it's divided, it's corrupt. You don't need to prioritise church on a Sunday morning, people won't really miss you. Church should be continually meeting all of your needs. There is no space in church for your gifting. God is so holy that he's unreachable. Jesus was just a really good man. God is permanently angry or disappointed with you. Your heavenly father is as, as flawed as your earthly father. Maybe you believe some lies about others. that They don't really care about you. They, they just, they've got their own interests in mind. You're much better than them. You're much worse than them. Your marriage isn't really working. They, they have it all together. You are totally different to everybody else. They, they won't understand you even if, even if you did reach out to them. I don't know if any of those resonate with you. I don't know if any of those lies, you're thinking, oh, yeah, no, that's, that's something that I think a lot. That's something that, that Satan has attacked me with a lot. Be aware of these lies. This is just a selection. There could be any number of other lies that Satan will use. But be aware of the lies that you are most susceptible to. Uh, one of the one of the things that I, I've had to be conscious of, uh, an area of my life that Satan will try and attack and put lies in, is that I have nothing of value to say. Oftentimes when I preach, Satan will try and say, "Who are you to preach in front of all those people? You have nothing of value to say. You have nothing of worth. How are you you're no you know no more than anybody else." And I, I have to I have to stop and say that is from Satan. That is not going to enter my mind. Satan will try his post-truth tactics. He'll try to appeal to your negative emotions and make you believe lies. You need to combat them with truth. I have ultimate worth and purpose in Christ. Christ church is the hope of the world. Jesus was fully God and fully man. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. Know these truths. Wrap them, tie them round yourself as a belt. Particularly guard yourself against lies within the church. The most damage that Satan can do in this army of people is from within. We need to particularly guard against lies about one another. Stand firm. If you stand firm with the truth around you, you will be accused by the world of being contentious, of being narrow, of being negative, of being arrogant, of being opinionated, of being intolerant. Are you ready? Stand and continue to stand. Are you ready for the next piece of armor? On your feet. Next slide, please. This is a Roman breastplate. You're going to need to get down to pick this up, okay? So everybody, <laughs> and, and put it on over the top or around the back. 
Okay? All right. Sit down. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, this is an example of a Roman breastplate. Uh, it would have covered the kind of chest and abdomen, as you can see, uh, protecting the heart and other major internal organs. Interestingly, the breastplate is thought to have only been on the front and so only advantageous to those who are facing their enemy, not those who are fleeing or retreating. And so, again, we're called to stand. Uh, The righteousness that protects us, again, uh, again, isn't our own righteousness. This isn't our own ability to do good. This isn't our own ability to try and live lives of righteousness. This is the righteousness of Jesus Christ given to us. Uh, I'm not going to spend quite as long on this section, uh, partly because I actually preached on this just a few weeks ago. Um, who can remember when I was up at the front of church a few weeks back painting my jumper? Uh, hopefully many of you were in uh, that for that preach. I talked about the fact that, uh, so I had on a jumper, I talked about the fact that uh, when we sin, we it's like painting a big red paint uh, over our clothing. We, we are corrupted. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there's nothing that we can do to remove those stains. There's nothing that we can do to, to take them uh, away. We can try and rub them off. We can try clean, but they are, are permanent. The only thing that we can do is to turn to Christ and to accept the gift of his perfect, spotless righteousness. Christ, when he died on the cross, he made a way for us to take off uh, those sins and to put on his perfect, spotless righteousness. So that when God looks down, he doesn't see the things that we've done wrong. He doesn't see the sins that stain our life, the things that marked our past, uh, the, the things that have maybe played on our minds and our thoughts and our guilt for years. He looks down and he sees Jesus Christ's perfect life. Jesus lived a perfect life and died for us so that we could have his righteousness. But, but instead of a, a white shirt, which I wore on the morning, uh, this is described as being like a breastplate, a breastplate of armor that you put on, which is the righteousness of Christ, which is given to us. That means that when we go into battle, we go with the full assurance of our right standing before God. No matter what Satan tries to throw at us, we can stand and say, I know that I am right before God. Uh, this is quite a long quote uh, on the next slide, but Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones puts it like this. The wearing of the breastplate of righteousness is our one security. Keep it on. And when the devil comes and says, you have no standing, you are condemned, you are finished, you must say, no, my position did not depend upon what I was doing or not doing. It is always dependent upon the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to the devil and tell him, my relationship to God is not a variable one. The case is not that I'm a child of God one day and not a child of God the next day, and then a child of God, and then again, not a child of God. That's not the basis of my standing. That is not the position. When God had mercy upon me, 
He made me his child, and I remain his child. A a very sinful and unworthy one, perhaps, but still his child. And now when I fall into sin, I have not sinned against the law. I have sinned against love. Like the prodigal, I will go back to my father and I will tell him, Father, I am not worthy to be called thy son. But he will embrace me and he will say, Do not talk nonsense, you are my child. And he will shower his love upon me. That's the meaning of putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Never allow the devil to get you into a state of condemnation. Never allow a particular sin to raise again the whole question of your standing before God. Parents, when your child does something bad, do they stop being your child? No. (laughs) Good answer. Correct. (laughs) Um, the next picture, uh, if you go on to the next slide, just shows some children coming, uh, sad, remorseful, sorry for what they've done. And they, you don't come before God as a child saying, oh, please still accept me. Oh, am I still, are we still okay? We can come before God saying, God, I have sinned again. Lord, forgive me, but I know that I am your child. I know that I am forgiven. I know that there's nothing that can, that, that can be done that will separate uh, your love from me. There's nothing that can take me out of the family of God. Once we are a part of the family of God, nothing can separate us from his love. You must remind yourself, all my guilt was imputed to him. All his righteousness was imputed to me. The purity and innocence and pleasing the Father is all credited to me as though I had done it myself. We are given righteousness as a gift. It's not the breastplate of performance. It's the breastplate of righteousness which we have been given. But that won't stop the devil from trying to get us to doubt that. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be ready for that. What areas of our standing with God might Satan try to attack, you may ask? Well, what about your prayer life? How can you pray to God? How can such a miserable sinner come before a holy God? Do you think that God wants to hear from you after what you did yesterday? Are you serious? Sound familiar? What about sin in your life? Before you were a Christian, fair enough, you, you didn't know better, but, but now that you do know better, can you really expect to still be a Christian after doing what you just did? Do you really think that Jesus will forgive you again? You keep making mistakes, so surely there's no hope for you now. Sound familiar? What, what about your death? Are you, really, are you really saved? Are you really saved and forgiven? Are you sure? Do you know beyond doubt that you're destined for heaven? In each of these areas, we need to put on our breastplate. We respond not with the confidence of our own righteousness. If we try and respond to Satan by saying, but I've been really good, but I've I've tried really hard and and I didn't do it yesterday, but I did it today, then you're going to fail. We don't respond with our own righteousness. We don't come back to Satan by trying to uh, justify our actions. We come with the righteousness of Jesus Christ around our chest. So when Satan questions our right to pray, you can go on to the next slide. 
when, when Satan questions our, our right to pray, we can respond with Romans 5, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. When Satan questions our sin, we come back with 1 John 1, 8 to 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is truth. This is, this is our standing before God. If he questions your eternal salvation, you respond with John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. This is our standing before God. If you're a Christian this morning, this is your position before God, and you need to wear that as a breastplate. If you start your day without putting this on, if you start your day thinking uh, that this is, this is a day where you need to perform, where you need to uh, do certain amount of things to get right with God, to please God, then Satan is attacking you, attacking you, and you're going to fail because you're going to sin, and you're going to think, oh man, I've messed up. God doesn't love me anymore. Oh, I'm no longer his child. Oh, I'm no longer able to come before him. You need to start your day by putting on the breastplate of righteousness, saying, I know today, whatever happens, I am right before God. Nothing can change that. Uh, As a practical step, you can take to overcome some of the lies that Satan will try and throw at you. You may want to consider doing the following. Uh, You can take a a notepad and draw a line down the middle. Uh, And on the left, write lies that you have been uh, attacked with, lies maybe that you have believed in the past. And on the right, you can write truths. Uh, Write truths from Scripture. Write truths that you know to be true of your standing before God. Uh, Write truths that you know to be true of other people, even when Satan's trying to attack you about those individuals. When you hear a lie, when you believe a lie, even as you look back on your life and understand that it was a lie, that you believed about God or about others, write it down. And you can turn back in those moments of struggle, of battle, and say, I'm going to stand on these truths that I know to be true. I'm not going to let Satan attack me in this area. And you've got a decision to make. Will I live in the light of the lie or will I live in the light of truth? Uh, we've covered a lot of ground this morning and we've read a lot of scriptures, but I want to finish by reading one more because these are the very truths that protect us. Let me encourage you with these words from Romans as I close. Uh, go to the next slide. Romans eight thirty-eight to 39 says this, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these two parts of this armor that you have given us to wear. Lord, we recognize that it's not in our own strength, in our own goodness, our own righteousness. Lord, we don't deserve these uh, bits of armor, and yet you have given them to us as a gift. And so we ask, Father, that you'd help us to wear them well, to put them on each day, 
to consciously acknowledge that we are in a battle, that Satan is going to try and attack us with his lies and that we need to stand against them with truth. Lord, I pray that you'd make us discerning in that. Lord, help us to see these lies for what they are. Lord, we we don't want to continue to be tripped up in the same areas. We don't want to continue to to fall into these same patterns of lies that were disabling and debilitating. Lord, we want freedom and the truth will set us free. And so we ask, Father, that you would fill our minds, fill our hearts with your truth. As we read your word, as we meditate on scripture, Lord, would it sink deep into our minds and our hearts that we're able to regurgitate in those moments, that we're able to stand firm, that we're able to say, no, Satan, I'm not going to believe those lies. This is the truth. This is who I am. Father, help us to, to have a, a greater spiritual vision, Lord, of what's going on in this world. Lord, help us to help others to put on their armor. Lord, as an army, Lord, would we help one another in this area? Would we help one another to put on their breastplates, to know they're standing before God, to be protected? Yeah, Father, we we ask for your empowering. We ask for the help of your Holy Spirit in this. Uh, And yeah, equip us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.